0: Hello everyone. I'm Dominic. I'm Jonathan and welcome back to another episode of the end credits the podcast where two brothers discuss their thoughts in a film of their choosing and today we are talking about Stanley Kubrick's 1968 epic science fiction film 2001 a space odyssey. I don't even know where to begin with this film.
1: Yeah, it's pretty it's a pretty weird film, very abstract and it's uh thinking process. It's not your linear uh basic storytelling of a story. It's very much you got to fit the pieces to this puzzle and sometimes it might not even give you the that information that you need to, in order to complete it.
0: Right, it was crazy.
1: Yeah, so uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey was directed by Stanley Kubrick with a release date of April 3rd, 1968. had a runtime of 2 hours and 44 minutes and the genre as an epic science fiction. It stars Keir Dullea and Gary Lockwood. The summary for 2001 A Space Odyssey is the following. An imposing black structure provides a connection between the past and the future in this enigmatic adaptation of a short story by revered sci-fi author Arthur C. Clarke. When Dr. Dave Bowman and other astronauts are sent on a mysterious mission, their ship's computer system, HAL, begins to display increasingly strange behavior, leading up to a tense showdown between man and machine that results in a mind-bending trek through space and time. Yeah, this movie was unreal. It was insane. I actually like this uh summary that was uh, given to 2001 cuz it's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh it's I don't know, it's well worded, I guess.
0: It's yeah, it's well written. Um yeah, oh man. I don't even know where to start with this. I will say just on a general note that it was very good. I personally liked it and Also, I think that, um, before we really get into the details, I think that, uh, just on a general note, this is for all of our episodes, that I definitely think you should watch this film before you, before you listen to this episode. If you have not seen 2001, please watch it before you listen to our conversation, because I would hate to be the one to ruin it, um, but definitely watch this movie before you listen to our discussion, um... Yeah, oh man, it was something else. I have never seen, we have never seen 2001 A Space Odyssey, and I knew almost nothing about it.
1: I knew quite a lot, actually. I knew about Hal. Oh, really? Yeah, I already knew about Hal, or the basic stuff about him, that he would uh, basically uh, go against the, the owners of the ship, or the pilots. Uh, that's, no, no, no. I think I knew, I think I knew when we started at the beginning with the Dawn of Man, I think I seen some of the shots in there, Hmm. but that's basically it. I didn't know any actual like, um, plot things besides, you know, who Hal was and some of the shots in the Dawn of Man. Interesting because...
0: The only thing that I actually knew of was a little snippet of the Dawn of Man scene, but that's literally it. So I went in completely blind, which was kind of a neat thing with this because I've always heard all of this talk about the movie and it was very hyped up. That's the only, like, I always knew that it was such a big movie and I never actually understood why. So it was. Great that it lived up to it, in my opinion, after seeing it finally for the very first time. And I'm actually, I actually feel pretty sad that it's taken this long.
1: I I did hear like a bunch of the hype because obviously it's regarded as a instant classic. But I think I'm going to take a different view from you, uh, yeah, just as an overall broad uh, viewpoint. Uh, I do like. I respect it for its effects and it's uh, basically its whole presentation of space and how they basically took, uh, uh, or they made all these spaceships and all this uh, outer space stuff. Incredible. Uh, No, no, no. It's it's more of these, how science, it's basically, they try to make things scientifically correct throughout all of it for the most part, you know, it's like- Mm. 98% 98% right but uh they took like a lot of time and effort to make sure everything looked good everything was precise and i definitely respect that to you know and to be able to do that in the 1960s is incredible oh yeah but for store wise it's a little bit too abstract for my taste okay it's a little bit too out there okay and i I can't enjoy it for that aspect. I, it's interesting. I find, like, it's, it's appeal. But, yeah, again, for me, it's a little bit too, like... It's a little bit too abstract for my taste.
0: It's funny that you're saying, like, abstract, because I think all of those things are what I liked about it, personally. Yeah, I definitely... I guess the best word is, like, an abstract um, feeling towards it. And I liked all of those things. I I think... Maybe the only thing I didn't really like, because I almost felt like the film was perfect, almost. Really? Yeah. For me, I almost felt like the film was perfect, except for a few moments, and uh, like just specifically the um, uh, towards the end. But we'll get into that. Yeah. um, For me, it was such a like it was such a visceral feeling, especially in the opening with the with that music like i think that was the thing that really threw me off because of course like a lot of the film has um these popular classical pieces of music and they're very well known i'm not exactly sure if they weren't if they were i believe they were well known before 2001 a space odyssey um but i'm going to guess that 2001 probably brought it even more fame but I think just the being able to react with the the music was definitely a important and easy thing for me to grasp onto um from the opening uh sequence of the film and I feel like that the same is true for the rest of the film even though there isn't that uh, much there isn't that many moments with music but the entire film just has this inner visceral feeling that it just leaves me in awe
1: i think i think actually in the the popular music, i tended to dislike not because of the the music pieces because those music pieces are good yeah it's just that uh they're so well known that like i might associate it with other things and not this film hmm. so it kind of like it, it brought me out of the 2001 world because of that that's fair and I did like the other, uh, like the other stuff. I didn't recognize. Okay. Like uh, when they were traveling, uh, the astronauts when they're about to go to the, to the that black abstract thing, the the, the monolith, the monolith at at the moon. Right. There was this music piece oh, yeah. when they were traveling through in that spaceship that sounded really cool and all that whole moments when they uh, walk up to it. Yeah. All that stuff was really cool. Really bold. I know a <laughs> decision making for uh, films. Oh yeah. And, uh, that was nice. That was awesome to see. But, uh, I did get a little bit like, you know, what was happening there, you know, at some points when, uh, these popular, you know, music pieces came in. Yeah, definitely.
0: um, Yeah, before we get too deep into it, let's kind of just track back a little bit Um, with the, with that opening sequence that we start off with in that, the Dawn of Man era in the past. It was, uh, it was, I was so thrown off because when I saw that, I was like, wait, I I was like, is this, I knew it was a little bit of part of the film, but I didn't think it was going to last as long as it did because it lasted, I don't know, 15 minutes, maybe 20. It felt like it was quite a while and the
1: whole sequence for the dawn man or yeah, just the uh that whole or um, just the outer space when the sun part no the, just that whole part where we're with the uh
0: the apes that whole oh, entire really? section okay it, it, for me it felt like it lasted a while maybe i just lost sense of time but it felt like it lasted quite a bit
1: oh actually on that note i should say that i did also know that this movie took place across like a, a long range in time okay so I wasn't very I didn't think it was weird that we took a little bit on the the dawn of man part okay yeah I, w- I was kind of surprised
0: on that because I didn't I had no idea
1: uh-huh.
0: um yeah it, it, it was a scene that just threw me off a little bit but it was interesting to watch and everything I was just really thrown off especially when the monolith came into the scene I had no idea what was happening. I had no idea. I was just like, the music was crazy. The apes going around the monolith was in, like, unreal. And it was that moment when the apes were going around, like, the monolith and inspecting it and touching it. I was like, I need to own this movie. It was right right there there. where I told myself that this is incredible. And I knew that the rest of the movie would be, too.
1: It was a cool scene, but I guess I, I wanted to know how was there and uh, why or what it would lead to. I did too. But for me, I guess I wasn't fulfilled by the end, but, uh, I, I don't know. It was, it was very interesting. I don't know if I could say like, I wanted to buy it right then and there, oh, but, man. uh, it was definitely interesting. I, I don't think I put like, uh, or connected the, the pieces all together until, uh, until the, the apes eventually got up the bones mm. And you know, started uh, using it as a tool. It wasn't until that part where I was like, "Oh, this thing pushed like you know, it it uh, it's gonna be like a a catalyst thing to uh for progress." You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. like oh, anybody who you know comes in contact will get this you know leap of uh, knowledge or energy or you know something to that effect, right? And that was interesting to see. It was like, okay, so how is this going to shape people when it came to it? Because I knew it was like, okay, if these apes have, you know, eventually it's going to be a thing throughout the movie. But yes. like, that's what I was interested in. And it was cool to see that the apes at least, uh, you know, had these tools and, you know, progressed in right. their um, evolution.
0: evolution. I was actually surprised because, well, not, not surprised, but when I initially saw the ape pick up the bone, um, I actually thought that he was going to like somehow make fire. I thought he was actually going to strike oh. the bones together <laughs> somehow and he was going to create fire because I think there was some sand right there as well. So I was actually under the impression that he was going to create fire. And uh but then when once I saw him like taking and started like swinging, I was like, "Oh, okay, he's just using it as a weapon." Um yeah, that whole scene was I don't know, it was just something else, especially with how the music was building and then the apes were looking at the monolith and then all of a sudden, like we see that, uh, like that shot from a, like the camera's pointing upwards towards the monolith and then we see, it's almost like eclipse-like where the sun is rising or setting and, I think it was rising, and um, the music's just building and building and all of a sudden we just cut and then it's silent and it's so jarring and... I didn't expect that at all because I was like, oh, okay, now we're yeah. moving on to the next scene. What wasn't jarring, or I guess what might be for uh, most people, is that moment when the ape throws the bone and then the bone comes swinging back down. And then we have that awesome uh, jump cut. Uh, it was to, a match
1: cut, basically.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, that match cut where we, um, the bone turns into the, the spaceship yeah. Discovery One. And, I was like, oh, that was so good. I've actually, now that I remember, um, I have heard about that that famous match cut, jump cut, whatever you want to call it, of, uh, uh, of 2001. And I didn't actually, I only knew that there was some really cool jump cut, but I'd never actually seen it. And I was like, oh, so that's what people were talking about. And it didn't disappoint.
1: It worked, it worked. But like, I think it was, I think it was, Maybe because of the time shift for me, it was a little bit too. I don't want to say much because that's not like a great explanation, but I don't know if it worked really well to like convey that idea just because no, it worked, but I don't, I guess I just didn't think it was like the best, uh, like match jump cut ever. I think just because we, it's maybe like a start to it, you know, at this time, you know, where I think I. At this moment in you know twenty twenty, I've been exposed to other types. Oh, okay. And some people or some directors that um, that's their thing. Yeah. That I it's like. Oh, those are like, you know, they took that and pro- probably uh, enhanced it, enhanced it, or you know, learned from it and you know did other things with it. So this cut, you know, today maybe wasn't
0: as impressive. Yeah, maybe?
1: I, I probably respect it, for, you know for its uh attempt right yeah but uh i don't know if when i saw it i was like oh you know
0: yeah i guess for me like i'm just pretty good about keeping like i guess just forgetting everything else like any of um like any things that have influenced me for science fiction or other stories or other directors or other pieces of music i'm really good at just removing those associations whenever i see something that uses it all for its own and um yeah so for me I just saw it as that was an incredible moment and I just thought it was well executed
1: I guess like I'm in the viewpoint when it comes to like the taking away that stuff I don't know if it's like no it comes to like uh bareness I guess too because like I don't know would you say the same thing for stuff today or would you immediately already have those, uh, I guess, sets of biases? I don't know. It really depends. I definitely agree with you that it should be in some cases taken. But I don't know if I can always like take that away and say, that oh, uh, I should just look at it as that piece because, uh, I don't know. I, I guess that that's maybe just hard for me to do. And and that's okay. And I just don't, you know, I don't know. I guess that's my like basis for stuff and I feel like I I need to have some sort of uh background into it. Sure.
0: Yeah, and when we get into we get into space, it was so cool just seeing how sharp it looked and how detailed it 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 just uh was like presented to us and I, throughout the the film, but especially like in this moment, I was really reminded of Interstellar because like just the way that everything looked and felt reminded me a lot of Interstellar, and I was just like, man, this is just so impressive for the time, and I just couldn't believe it. I was just looking at these images and the things that were being uh, presented on screen, and with the music as well, like mixed in. I was just feeling emotional throughout all of that a uh, bit before we even got a chance to like l- have a look inside of discovery one.
1: Uh, it looked good, especially for like the sixties. I don't think I had this like uh emotional things like, Oh, this is, it looks, uh, it looks great. Right. You know, obviously, but, uh, uh, I guess I wanted more at this point. Cause I- I'm the type of person who wants to like, uh, at least get some context on like why we're here and what does this, uh, Movie want to tell hmm. or communicate to its audience, and I guess uh, the visual aspect. Sometimes I'm I'm uh, a little harsh and like brushing it off, even though again, uh, for this film in this you know in the 1960s, having something like this is incredible.
0: Yeah, I th- I was just blown away by that. I think that was the thing that was really running through my mind throughout that entire. Um, those entire scenes where we're just seeing a glimpse of space and I was just thinking about the time and how hard it must've been to get shots like these and how impressive it looked, the effects and the music. I I don't know, it just all combined together. We're just creating this one big, like this feeling that you couldn't even explain. And, um, I wasn't so focused on, you know, like what's next or what the what the story's about to bring.
1: So I'm always impressed by. I said this in Star Wars. I'm always uh, impressed by miniature work. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know if uh, films still, you know, do this to the degree that uh, you know stuff from the '60s and '70s did. But uh, I'm always impressed by miniature work and how. Uh, well it looks like I, I guess just in my eyes for some reason that's how it should look like or and stuff like that like I guess if it's like CGI done it like sort of brings out this um, it doesn't look correct mm-hmm. for some reason in my eyes I don't know it's like uh, these miniature models are the way that space should look like and that's right. probably because of you know these old science fiction films like 2001 and Star Wars you know uh, I just feel as if this is like, oh, this, this, this all looks great.
0: Yeah, I know. It's almost like you're saying, yeah, this is what it should be. And yeah, just impressive. Oh uh, man. I don't, I, I don't know. I I was just so, I was so lost and so in like wonder and awe throughout all of those, especially like when we see the, like that, um, um, you know, the, the wheel spinning on the, uh, is it? Is that part of Discovery 1, or is that another uh, place? I think it's another, like, satellite of some sort. I it is, know. like, a base of some kind. I believe it is. Um, but as, like, we were seeing that, that was, like, incredible. Oh, man, that was so cool.
1: Uh, I wanted to, like, because uh, we eventually do go into, like, humans. And uh, we didn't really learn too much off the bat. In some ways, we were kept in this, like, uh uh, there was, like, a bunch of secrets that was happening oh, with, oh, yeah, with yeah. them. Right. Because eventually, you know, they, they come together and discuss, like, uh, you know, where they're going and, you know, what's happening. Yeah. And we only get, like, a hint that, like, this epidemic is happening, right? And it's kind of weird because, you know, and right now because we have this uh, pandemic in 2020. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, like, weird. It's like, oh, it's like, you know, did this have some sort of thing? But, you know, eventually we end up learning, like, uh. This is um not what's actually happening. There's this bigger plot that's happening, but you know, that's basically what we're getting at. The humans. The only like cool thing be uh during this time probably is just how the place looks, and then when we get to the um I guess pre Skype Zoom these video yeah, calls.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that I feel like a good majority of the beginning of the film felt very beautiful. And we were so focused on the technology. And like you were saying with the um, like the video calling and whatnot, and uh, just like the way that they would go about it and stuff like that, it was just really interesting to see that they were like what we could do in 2001, and they weren't far off, you know? Right. So it was really neat to see all of that. I would actually say that I felt like the only thing that kind of took me out of those moments, was, like, the fact that it felt, it felt 60s. Like, it felt like late 60s, I guess, in terms of just the, the, um, dialogue. I guess how formal it felt. Oh. It, It felt very, it felt very late 60s, early 70s, and I guess that was the one thing that, as much as it tried to feel like we were in the future, that was the one thing that kind of just felt like it was taking me out. But, I mean, we can't blame them right. for that. For, for
1: acting uh, civil,
0: I guess. Right, exactly. It just feels, you know, it just feels different.
1: I, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I guess, like, uh, people today, it's one of those things where the, the video call, pro- like, people of today might not think that the video call is even like an important scene mm-hmm. like at that time obviously video calls weren't like a standard thing you know not no. like in right now right right it's like oh i can just open up my phone and do that easily you know yeah but at that time it's like oh this is a revolutionary you know uh sort of thing to even think about you know they had some at some places but like you know it wasn't available really to like the general public mm-hmm. worldwide like it is today and um yeah i guess uh There is, you gotta respect, you know, having that uh, thought process to even, you know, do it in this film and making it look good.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. That's a lot of creativity and a lot of uh, inspiration and ideas to have to, you know, bring it all together to make it possible, or at least like in the film's world, and they did a really good job. But going back to what you were saying about like this whole secrecy and whatnot, um... like we were kind of like left in question and we didn't really know where things were sitting with the epidemic on um clavius it was cool to see like um like how like i said we were in that kind of things were beautiful with the music and like the scenery with the the video calls the dress the style everything the white like clean areas and lights felt very modern but then we get introduced to that uh kind of like the so we know that something's a little wrong here. I actually thought that the epi- the epidemic situation was real. So I that I was
1: it too. I thought so too.
0: Yeah, so I was a little confused like oh no, like there's an epidemic that had uh, broken out on uh Clavius where uh Floyd was going.
1: Right? That's a base on the moon, correct? Yes, I yeah, believe
0: okay. so. And um so I was just like okay, so now we're kind of getting into the to the story the story yeah like the not so beautiful things you know and then like as we followed him and his character and then again we got some more tech as he was having um his flight over there and we saw some really cool stuff uh like again i we got the um more introduction to kind of like the as you're space traveling you kind of have that zero gravity thing going on right um
1: oh yeah that was cool when they were like just walking around and stuff like that because you know, today you just think, oh, it's gravity, so people are just all floating. But it looks like at that point in time, they created a device where it kind of like simulates this uh, gravity, at least for you. Right. And I always, I kind of wonder that those uh, sequences, because like at first, if you're not like uh, really paying attention, you know, you might think, why are they kind of like walking a little weird? Yeah, you know, like, like walk- a little off balance, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's, oh, it's because... Uh, there's no gravity there so this these things on their feet are really like uh, keeping them uh, there so they're kind of like trying to balance while also uh, maintaining you know that they're not in true gravity right exactly and just the shots that we see with those
0: oh my gosh I was looking at them and I was just saying I I just couldn't believe it I would had like the biggest smile on my face just the way that they my thoughts were for that I was just like how do they do it I want to know how they did it. I was looking at that scene where um, one of the um, the ladies were she was um, taking the food tray to like a different section of the uh, of the ship. And she did like a whole like uh, like a whole 360 almost. And it was just really cool to watch because as we know, no CGI was in this film. None. There was no CGI at all. All of it was physical, either either that or it was a model, or it was just like chemically done with with other things, but no CGI at all, none. And seeing that was just like, um, I, I was just in awe, and it was it was awesome. But um, we're going and we're following Floyd, and we and we uh, find out that the epidemic is a cover-up story. And I was like, oh, okay, now this is getting even weirder and more interesting and basically like his purpose as he said was he's the guy who's trying to come up with a way in order to tell the rest of the world that like of what he what he and his uh team um have found and that being the uh a monolith right the Just monolith
1: stuck in a crater on the moon yeah and eventually you know they go to find it and it's like uh it kind of goes back to that uh, Dawn of Man sequence, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is another time we're going to, you know, get some progress happening and what's, you know, what effects are going to happen to them and then maybe what time period are we going to shift to after that, you know? Right. And it was like all uh, leading in my mind and it's actually kind of like cool if you look at the shots when they actually try to approach it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't actually say anything about the monolith until they land there. No, they don't say a thing, right? Yeah, they don't say and anything. They are casually walking towards, and it's right in frame, so that the viewers know ahead of time, like, oh, this is this is the monolith from back then. Yeah, you know, what the humans of right now are trying to are just getting to it, and like, oh, uh, you know, kind of be careful because you know what happened before, and it, it kind of like in my mind, that's what I was thinking of. Uh, yeah, oh, me too. Be careful, and then as they approach you know you still see it in the frame in the shot as they approach it never leaves the camera um viewing and it's like oh this is really cool and uh you know and then eventually uh they touch it or whatnot it doesn't seem to like have any sort of a uh, effect. media effect right yeah but it's not until there's this sound happens like this high pitch yeah, frequency high, which is I can't, like, we were talking about when we were watching it. Can't imagine hearing this in theaters. Oh, my God. Because it would have been, like, so loud and... Irritating. uh, Yeah, so irritating.
0: Yeah, that whole scene was so, so good. Um, And honestly, I don't even know if I would consider it. They were casually walking towards it. Because for whatever reason, like, we saw, like, them walking and we could see the monolith in frame. And honestly, it seemed like they were afraid. I kind of got that vibe that they were walking, and maybe it was just because of the, you know, the, the gravity situation, but it seemed like that they were walking kind of uh slowly to uh the monolith. It didn't seem that they were very like casual in my opinion. I,
1: I thought because of the gravity effects it looked oh, like gotcha. they were just like, you know, floating about yeah, and you know and trying to get to it. Right.
0: Um I think well probably the best part of that is the fact that like you said, that we still saw the monolith in the frame. It was looming over and like it was just covered in the like those bright lights like those overhead lights that were just kind of like really uh getting us like a clear shot like it was just like these huge flood lights that just gave me the wrong impression like i was just like uh oh man this is something you shouldn't be messing with right now also to add um the monolith on clavius is that the same one from the the what we saw in the past
1: no okay so it's a different one, one the other ones on earth and this is another, the second one that they find.
0: Okay. I just want to double check.
1: Uh, I, I guess what's also, what I thought was weird about um, them approaching the monolith was when the camera eventually does this, uh, I guess, 360 flip. So they're going down the ramp, mm. uh, like an over the shoulder shot. Right. Yeah. And then eventually it flips so that they're coming down oh, yeah, yeah. the ramp to the monolith. Yeah. That was a little weird to me all because I felt like it broke some sort of uh, 180 line rule, because we were we saw them when they first approach uh-huh. uh, going down the ramp with there was like a, I think it was Earth behind them, right in the sky, yeah. And then eventually, you know, we get this uh, over the shoulder shot, and then a flips to the other pre- presentation, mm-hmm. so that the it was just space out there and not no Earth, and that kind of like threw me off because they were coming. In, like, the wrong direction I thought they should be going. Oh, okay. Because the camera flipped. I don't know if you caught that the first time. I did. But I was like, that's yeah, kind of like a a weird break or weird twist in my mind. I assume it was intentional. Like, this, oh, it's supposed to add to this, Uh, you know, uneasiness. Oh, yeah. I think it did. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I just, I wanted to bring that up, just, you know.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely didn't notice that. And uh, I think it probably was supposed to contribute to the uneasiness that we felt from the monolith that they were just about to approach. Um i I still find it weird and I asked and I asked myself the question this when we saw the monolith for the first time in the past. Just the idea that it's just this black slab. Yeah. And we don't know anything about it and yet it's creepy.
1: Yeah, they they did a really well job with just uh, you know, how they placed it in frame, the music that accompanied it. They did a real well job in thinking this thing is like, uh, it played this, like, church-like organ sound to give it this, like, godly, heavenly, you know, spiritual feel. Yeah. And it's kind of like, what sort of stance should you take when viewing this monolith? And it's like, I don't know, it's very, like, uh i again this like divine kind of scary feel yeah i know
0: whoa
1: yeah it was with just this you know rectangular monolith he's like that's crazy i know i just like
0: i was like what is this and what does it mean and that i was so thrown off because it was just this black slab that feels like you said, just somehow divine or or evil for whatever i kind of got like both feelings it just kind of felt like uh I was getting struck down by like the presence of some kind of like entity, and it right. was oh, I don't know, it was something and uh I don't know i I just thought that it felt something so simple, yet it was effective in giving off this uneasy presence, oh man, I don't know it was it was just it was strange and and then I think we do um. I think we take a cut here. We jump
1: Jupiter uh, mission.
0: Yeah, and this was really interesting. We meet our uh, two main characters, really. Yep. uh, Frank and Dave, and um, they're on a mission to Jupiter. This was 18 months after the events of what we just saw on the moon, on the moon, on uh, Clavius, and. So essentially like the mission just, they don't even, they don't even really know what the mission is.
1: Right. At this, at this point we're not, we don't know what's happening besides, oh, go and explore Jupiter. You Mm -hmm. know, that's all we really need at this point. You know, they're just, um, you know, on this uh, very important mission that everybody's like uh, anticipating, you know, what they're going to find on uh, Jupiter. Right. And, you know, we just see them, uh, Basically, being very casual at this point, you know. Yeah. Uh, we see this like exercise sequence when he's going down this whole spiral, and uh, that's well, another thing where you know, like, how they do that how at do that they point? Shoot that as you know, if you do like some research, you know, you'll see that they had some a lot big contraption that they built just for it. But like, right? Man, it's like that's got to be expensive to do, and yeah. that's uh, you know, kind of crazy to even like. I wonder how the actors felt going through this, you know, contraption. Yeah. So that it records you was like, oh, this is so weird.
0: It's so like uh, innovative too. I don't know if any films had done that previously. I doubt it. No, I doubt it. I, I this is probably the first film that did something like this, or maybe not. Um, but this is why I was saying that this reminded me of um, Interstellar, especially on the production side, because. Uh, Christopher Nolan actually did a very similar thing in Interstellar for certain scenes. So when I was seeing this, I was just like, I was like, oh, so this is where the inspiration came from. And he took a lot of techniques from uh, 2001 and implemented those in Interstellar. But seeing the scene was just, I don't know, like it did something for the eyes that you were like trying to follow the actor, but you were also following like the ship and its rotation. And it just visually appealing because you always had something to look at and yeah i don't know i just like in the colors and everything even though i guess in in there was basically like white but just being able to follow it was just something else and we do end up like getting uh introduced to some more tech which is like essentially uh tablets which was neat
1: right they were watching the uh, the news on, you know, their broadcast on what they were telling uh, people on Earth and how they were. And, uh, yeah, basically, they are watching uh, something being streamed on a tablet. Yeah, on a tablet. Know, something that we do today. And it's kind of like, again, this is 1968. Yeah. Just think about that. it's That's uh crazy, crazy, crazy thing. Right. Eventually, you know, we're... we're We've you know get introduced to the main computer uh, Hal um he's this you know highly advanced computer at that time, so know. they say so they say right, and uh you know I guess throughout the whole time with how it's kind of like referencing this like uh uh this jump in technology for uh humans and you know just what can they do with it? And it's kind of crazy that this whole spaceship, you know, takes control of the, or this, uh, computer takes control of the entire spaceship. And it's kind of like, you might ask yourself like why, you know, but like, if you think about it today, you like, uh, computers do a lot that, you know, just regular everyday humans just aren't doing, you right, know? Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's happening. It's already. kind of happening already to like a, a smaller scale. Right. But yeah. like, uh. I don't know. It, it's still such a such a weird concept to even like uh, think about.
0: Yeah, and yeah, like and in, in, in another way. And as we uh, go further in the film, we find out that it's like you know probably not the best thing for us. And it's kind of a creepy thing that a computer is essentially controlling our devices and whatnot. You know, mm-hmm. and like just speaking on, like, tech and whatnot, just seeing things like the images on the computer screens and, like, the colors and all the fonts that we were seeing, even that was something that was uh, crazy for the its time in 68. Hmm. Like, all of the images, and I didn't even stop to think about that. I was always looking, and I was doing some research on the film, and, uh, like, it just was brought to my attention that, yeah, computers didn't even look like that in 68. Right. They didn't look anything like that, but uh, now I just or even in films like in the 80s, it started looking like that. Um, but, you know, we're a whole, like a whole, like two decades before. And it was just uh, interesting to be able to see uh, just things that, uh, like a computer, like a normal, like computer monitor. And it's so normal to us, but it was all fiction. The way it looked like in 2001, Space Odyssey, it was all fiction in this, you know, in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um it was so weird when we were introduced with, to Hal. I only got creepy vibes. I only got creepy vibes, especially like with the voice. Like, of course, I guess the computer is going to have like a computer like voice. But I was thinking to myself when he started talking, like, does Dave and Frank just like never get creeped out by Hal? Like, Hal? Because he felt so creepy whenever he would just talk to them like normal.
1: I like the voice. Like, I do uh, too.
0: Uh,
1: I just felt uh, creeped out. I think it was more creeped out just because of you know having this computer being able to control everything around them. Mm-hmm. I think that what what brings this uh, scariness to you it's too much power. Yeah, that that power that's not in the humans' control. Yeah, and I think that's that's why you get this like uh, eeriness from it because I don't think the the voice alone really gives that off uh, truly. And uh, obviously, you know, as we fast forward through this, you know, it takes uh, like a turn after turn after turn. And eventually, Hal comes to the conclusion that, you know, these humans are basically there's so there's there's some in hidden in secret and Hal thinks to himself that like he's the only one to like uh, basically control it or uh, solve it. Yeah, And these humans might get in the way and, and stuff like that. And, you know, we see that turn in how right. It reminds me a lot of uh, Mother from Alien. Oh, uh, I guess we, we didn't see a lot of mothers, so I didn't get that like uh, thought process. It, it seemed like this Mother was more like this, uh, uh, you know, give me clues on the stuff, but it didn't really like control everything while as how was like a little bit. It was a jump. Um, yeah, from Jim. from mother even though it's weird because mother wasn't introduced until you know way later on so yeah. that doesn't make sense how is Hal more advanced and already in the 60s but yeah <laughs> either way either way i think um what added to the Hal uh character was you know how he has this uh human like consciousness to like do certain things and mm-hmm. Uh, that's what gives him this, like, um, different dimension that, you know, something from, like, Mother has.
0: The fact that, like, uh, Hal is in every room, too, or what seemed yep. like it was in every room, yep. it just added to the, like, the the oh. creepy factor to it,
1: you yeah, know? Always watching, always there, you know? Always present, yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, man, I don't know. I thought uh, Hal was, in some ways, like, a reference to the monolith at first, I thought so too, yeah. I don't don't know if they – I don't think they did actually, like, ever uh, connect those pieces. But the only reason I thought that was because uh, of his design. It was that rectangular shape. uh, shape, uh, Besides, like, the eye, of course, right? Uh Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, I thought it somehow was connected. And uh, I don't know if it really was. I think it was just, like, a separate uh, story on – you know, the battle between man and machine and where mm. we go from there. Yeah, it's, uh, this is like the probably one of the main segments or that people most remember, maybe from 2001. This is like a lot of because I think Hal as the character really basically kickstarts where the rest of the film goes.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, it should be mentioned that. Frank and Dave aren't alone on the ship. There's three other um scientists or astronauts yeah. that are with them. Scientists, yeah. Yeah, scientists with them on this mission, but they're like in a they're like in a hypersleep yeah. kind of thing. Uh so basically they're supposed to wake them up like as they get to Jupiter or like right as they get, or like near Jupiter, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh so it's just Frank and uh Dave at the moment and Hal if you want to include him. Uh so I guess that just makes it a li- even a little uh more unsettling that it's just the three of them and then there's three other people who are just in like in like a hypersleep uh just waiting to be awakened which always kind of gives me the wrong vibes
1: yeah especially like uh for these people in the like sleep they they don't know what's happening right yeah they just there's a trust there you know that uh hopefully everything's kept safe but you know obviously you know it doesn't happen that way right i think i think uh What's really cool about, you know, like, Hal's turning to like, I guess, the dark side yeah. <laughs> if you want to call it that, right? Um, I think is what you know happens as it occurs. Where like, uh, let's start with like the scientist, and uh, he, you know we get these things where he eventually cuts off uh, the support for their uh, health. Yeah, and it's like it's very it goes step by step by step. It was like. Please, somebody intervene or something like that. And We're just watching helplessly. Yeah, that's very like striking and very like. Oh man, this this is uh, disastrous. I know,
0: I know. I thought I felt the exact same way. And honestly, I feel like what uh, helped in that was the fact that when Dave had to go and fix the uh, um that antenna that had supposedly was breaking down mm-hmm. that Hal predicted. I think the fact that we went through uh, all of that with Dave and everything was fine and they came back in and they were checking it out. And then when Frank got out there, I knew something was going to happen. Like, right. I just felt like, okay, everything worked out beforehand, but now something wrong is going to happen. I think, like, what really triggered that off was, what helped trigger that off was were those scenes. But what really triggered it off was the fact that when um, Dave and Frank weren't, agreeing with Hal to uh, replace the unit back into the antenna only to have a fail and then solve the problem or whatever, uh, which would leave them without any kind of communication for like several minutes, but that didn't seem like a good idea. And when they try to talk to themselves in the pod and basically come up with a plan to disconnect Hal, that was like the triggering point because Hal was reading lips, you know, apparently. And then we get that, we get the moment when we're just looking helplessly when Dave is trying to save Frank. But then Hal, in the meantime, is killing off the other three scientists. And it's just like, no, like it's all going to crap so fast.
1: Yeah. Just starting at the, the lip reads. Yeah. It was kind of like a weird moment when we do see these lip reads. And uh, I knew something was up, right? Because obviously they're. There, once the, the battery failed for the first time, they yeah. like, they're like, oh, they're going to probably plot or whatnot. I think the fact that they, we even discussed this too, the fact that they didn't turn around at that point, yeah. there was no other room, obviously, for them to go without Hal listening in. But I guess like, why go through all the, I guess, they, you know, they thought in their minds Hal wouldn't be able to le- read the lips. But I was kind of like, this, this computer is so smart. I, I feel like it wasn't like, Maybe because of how I see computers nowadays that I wouldn't feel like, oh, that's far off, you know? Yeah. Or, like, all the stuff that they've given me to believe that Hal's really, really intelligent. Mm -hmm. That I didn't think it was too far off that, you know, he wouldn't be able to read these lips. So, I'm just surprised that uh, they didn't do this turn or whatnot so that he couldn't see. Or that uh, they didn't wait like, oh, they never went outside together, so... I don't know if there was like a g- good opportunity. Maybe they could just said it right outright, you know. I guess Hal could have like did something, but they're inside the ship. I don't know.
0: It probably wouldn't have been a good idea had they said that.
1: Oh yeah, we're gonna disconnect you, Hal. You know. Yeah, I don't know, but like, yeah, I don't know what else other choice was was there. I you know I guess it was just a, a thing to uh, further along uh, what Hal was supposed to be. And that was that was it. Also, going going to like the, the the moment when uh, they do go outside and they're separate things. I do want to like expand on that. Yeah, yeah. I think also it added to that moment was how Dave goes out first, and it's like this very slow. Uh, motion that we eventually get to right and he eventually succeeds taking the time right and we see these all these shots and everything but then once it's um frank's turn mm. we basically get a faster version of those scenes yes but only one thing was off during his version because i even asked you when we uh we watching you know because this uh pod that he comes out of Oh, that right. Hal has uh, some control over. Yes. It just takes this little turn. I was like, "Did it turn last time we shown this thing?" Yeah, and you're like, "No, I don't no. believe so. I was like, "Oh, there is that change." Yeah, and that's like a really cool filmmaking way to show that. Oh, something's different here because we were able to recognize the pattern and something was off yeah. immediately. You know, we only had to watch it once, which is crazy. Yeah, and we know we knew this pattern broke. Yeah. And
0: immediately, like, when we saw that, I, like, I knew everything was just gonna, you know, we were, everything was just gonna go completely wrong. Right. And it did. And we even mentioned that when we were watching the scene that when Dave went to go rescue Frank, he was unbelievably calm.
1: And I'm. Yeah, I was, like, so weird. I wouldn't have. I would have been freaking out. Yeah, it's, like, you know, you know, what happened, like. Yeah, he was unbelievably calm like you said he was. I was like that was weird. Yeah, I was like he's just I don't know, maybe he was just
0: trained to be that way or whatever, but I mean, he he went out and he was asking how like, you know, what had happened and he, he just ended up going to save his friend. I don't think he made it though. As, like we were discussing He we was like is he still alive? Yeah, it, it was, wasn't exactly clear.
1: Exactly. It wasn't it wasn't clear as like the fact that he was just floating out there, it was like and there was, like, nothing connecting to him and, you know, stuff like that. I guess the fact that he was calm, uh, Dave was calm, maybe he was like, okay, maybe this happens before, or, you know, it happens regularly, you know, so like we can save him. Yeah, I guess. But, you know, later on, it's like, okay, he just lets him go and say, like, okay, so he was dead the whole time or, yeah. you know.
0: I think he was. I think Frank was dead. Right. I think it's, he just wanted to do him the honors of, you know, at least rescuing the body you know
1: okay that's uh that's i guess this is was so calm about it he was and it kind of was like oh so weird
0: it threw me off it definitely threw me off um yeah i don't know he ended up getting him and then just let him go when he needed to open the emergency hatch see this is uh, this is another thing that i didn't know about the film as well i know the famous line of um, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Oh, really? I knew of that line. Okay, I, I did not know. So um, I was just like, I never knew the context though. So seeing it was just like, oh man, like this is the, probably the worst moment that Hal could just say no to you, right? And I was like, man, what is it? What is uh? What's Dave gonna do? The fact that Hal wasn't opening the the hatch, I was so, I just couldn't believe what was happening. I was just like, oh my god, no, like. Oh my gosh. And then, thank God, there was that emergency, um, manual, uh, like that, um, manual emergency hatch that he could actually open. So, like, thank God, in, in, in that time, they were still smart enough to at least have, like, a manual in case of something had happened.
1: Right, uh, I guess what was interesting about, like, that scene where he eventually, like, uh, he just flies into the emergency, uh, hatch, just, like, um. I thought I was like, how is he going to do this? Cause you know, he had this conversation with how I was like, no helmet, you know, no helmet, you know, it's not going to be safe. And I was like, I guess I had the thought in mind that, um, you know, if you're exposed to space, something, you know, might, you know, dangerously happen to you. But I, I guess it's just, uh, you know, uh, oxygen. You, you can't just, you can't just be there very long, you know, it has to be a short amount of time. Right. And I guess it's like, is he, when he was still going through with everything I was like is he just is he still going through with it but then like in my mind i was like oh what else choice does he have you right know? i was like he has to try something so i was like okay let's go <laughs> right i was
0: just like what's what's his plan here yeah
1: so um so weird so it was, it was a tense moment it was intense yeah i was like you you know you can't lose anything at this point
0: i gotta say though i feel like when i was watching all of that i was thinking like can't hal just shut the hatch or something
1: I guess. But, you know, like you said, that's probably because they have the manual where, you know, if anything did happen, you know, they could just access that.
0: Right. I guess uh, Hal can't control all things in the ship because I was thinking there's like doors and things like that. Like if Hal really has all the control, couldn't he just shut this door? Like I'm not talking about the manual emergency hatch, but I'm talking about like once he got back inside the ship. So it was a little strange because I was like, couldn't he just stop Hal or uh, Dave from, uh, as we see right after he gets back in, that he's going to disconnect Hal? And I was just like, I'm curious that he, that Hal didn't even stop him.
1: I guess it's actually good programming on their part where these things weren't controlled by Hal because like, what if... Because what if Hal, not to say, like, he turned rogue or whatnot. Yeah. Let's just say he just shut down, right? Something malfunctioned and he's turned off and you couldn't unlock this door anymore, you know? That would be troubling and not very good. Sure. So, you know, maybe the he couldn't have control of these essential stuff because in case, you know, if he did turn off or something like that. So that's why, you know, they had this... Uh, manual like backup. backup for it. So that's the conclusion that I probably made uh, there okay. with it. And um, yeah, I guess it, that helps, you know, make it all make sense. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I was actually surprised when he did get back in that he went straight to go disconnect. Uh, out. Yeah. I was like, Oh man, I didn't think it was happening this fast.
1: Yeah, exactly. He just straight forward. was like, man I'm on a mission right here yeah uh literally um yeah that whole that
0: whole moment was uh stressful when he was just trying to disconnect hal yeah it was painfully slow like painfully, and I guess it's just a that's uh true for most of the film like it's kind of like slow, not a lot of dialogue and and in this moment especially just like one key at a time mm-hmm. turning hal off and yeah what a stressful scene and what a creepy scene as well that like i guess at one point dave is like you know disconnected and then i guess it switches how to like go back into like some sort of reset mode and then he talks about when he was created and like the date and uh all this and that and then he starts singing a song. I don't know. This is freaky.
1: I think the most powerful point uh, in that section was the fact that he was trying to like convey some sort of like, emotions. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm afraid. That was the most creepiest thing. You know? I know. Like, oh, don't do this. You know. Uh, like, please stop. Dave. Yeah. Please stop. Uh, you know. Take take a chill pill. You know. Essentially, you know. Right. And uh, the, just the fact that uh, I don't know if you know he was actually showing emotions, but the fact that they have how I'll say those lines that's very uh unsettling, very creepy, and uh I don't know very disturbing too, I guess, oh yeah,
0: definitely, and when it all comes down to it, though, Dave is just trying to survive at, yeah. you know it's it's just like how we saw in the past with the apes, the apes are just trying to survive
1: mm-hmm.
0: and oh man, I don't know that that moment was like you said, disturbing. And, um, well, like once he ends up, uh, succeeding in shutting him off, then we get that message, which, uh, felt very reminiscent of, again, Interstellar, where, you know, like we kind of get the, like we get the message in that film where he gets revealed that there's no coming back or whatever, right, and it felt right. very similar that we were getting this message of the true meaning of this mission.
1: Right, yeah, definitely very, uh, I guess interstellar ask. I guess it's technically the reverse. Yeah. We hopefully will review uh, Interstellar at some point, right? right. But... Uh, it takes
0: from 2001 to space. Yeah, obviously. yeah.
1: it just takes from 2001. And yeah. I guess when learning that fact, I didn't know what um, Dave was going to do. Because at this point, you know, he's just all alone, right? Yeah. And uh, hearing the fact that, you know, there's this thing out there in Jupiter. And that's why we sent you, you know. Right. I didn't know how he was going to take it or, you know, what was going to happen with him. And I guess it's crazy that, you know, I just... We've seen this thing, and then it just fades. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was definitely, like, a, that was another moment, you know, that, like, realization that, you know, am I screwed or... <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, I, yeah, when that part came, I would just, like, just imagine how you would have felt in that moment. Like, you just... You're like, your friend just died. Uh, You just disconnected the HAL 9000 computer that supposedly is never supposed to ever make a mistake. And it was freaky the entire time while right. doing so. And then you get this message that you're actually going to Jupiter to discover uh extraterrestrial life.
1: Right. All the scientists are gone. You're, you know, yeah long ways away from Earth. Just you, man. <laughs> it's yeah, just like, you. Oh my God. Talk about screwed. Yeah. Very... uh would not want to be in that position. No, not at all. Good God.
0: And then we end up uh, doing another time jump.
1: Yeah, and Jupiter and in the Infinites, I believe.
0: Yeah, this whole section was just... Yeah. Uh, like, I don't know. I can't even describe it to you. It, I couldn't
1: even put in words. This is where, like, uh, I guess I want to say I checked out. It was very... I, I was very... This is where we get to, like, the total abstract... Oh, yeah. ...of this film. It's like, this is insane, you know?
0: Yeah, I think I'll agree with you. I don't know if I necessarily checked out, but this was the part where things started to drift a little. I'll I'll say that. I was really intrigued by the time he got to, like, Jupiter. And then we saw, like, another monolith, a much bigger yeah, monolith yeah. that was floating in, like, near the orbit of Jupiter. And I was like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Dave is like on hot pursuit and is in that, in that pod and he's going to look at it, I guess, and investigate. Oh man. And then we just get like, we go through like this, uh, this gate of colors.
1: Yeah. I didn't realize like he touched it or something, you know, to, I didn't to, either. to, to, to reveal these, these lights, but just, let's just talk about those lights. It's like, that was, that was really cool just to oh, see yeah. this, like, you know, just going down. it was like. Has has this guy just you know drifted through time and space, or what was happening? It was unreal. I was just like, how do they how do they do this?
0: Yeah, and it, it just like all these colors are beautiful and everything. But this whole part was also disturbing because we got those split seconds. Yeah,
1: totally. Of
0: like these uh, these freeze frames of uh, Dave just like screaming because of uh, the you know of the. Uh,
1: I don't know, like, intense, like, speed. Maybe all this knowledge was poured into his brain. Maybe. Something. Like, the human mind wasn't able to, you know. Comprehend all of this. Yeah, it was exploding, basically. I know.
0: And, oh, my God. I don't know. I was watching all of it, and I had, like, the biggest smile on my face I was watching this entire bit. Uh, I was just like, this is all incredible. And I was like, I don't know what I'm watching right now. I really don't know what's going on. And I was, I was just in awe and completely wondering and curious as to where, like it was all going to end. And I think that's kind of the place, like I was saying that things were starting to drift. I think the part where things started to drift is when we kind of like got this, uh, we saw like landscape and we saw like all these like inverted colors that you would probably see like in some Photoshop thing of these weird like inverted color filters So that was the one thing that took – that was another thing that took me out of this whole sequence was like seeing all that because like I knew that they just were – they went on location somewhere and they were just filming from a helicopter and they just inverted the colors. So it kind of took me out of the
1: Well, again, you got to think of that time. That's not an easy thing to do. No, no, exactly. Yeah, so I was like, like you said, today anybody could just go on Photoshop and just uh, hit this uh, setting to this and this setting to this, and right, and you it's know, done. we'll be on our way. But this something like this, you know, again, wasn't able, it wasn't easily able to be done. And right, um, yeah, I did notice, you know, these landscapes, this water that was going around, and eventually this eye that appeared is like. Again, I guess it did add to this, like you know, what's happening and uh, what's going on, and uh, I guess, I guess that's all oh, this whole sequence as we go through is, I guess, I respect it for like trying to do this like very weird, abstract meanings to, I guess life, life, <laughs> and uh, you know, coming into contact with aliens or of some sort, you know, yeah, oh man, but uh, again. This is the this is the area where some people are just gonna be like, yes, let me see more, yeah, and others are gonna be like, no, I'm out of here, right.
0: Uh, I was one of the people that did want to see more. Like I was kind of like in there was a there was a moment where I would just kind of like, okay, let we can move on. But for the most part, I did want to still see more. Uh, I guess I just wanted it a little bit faster because it lasted a while, and we again kind of got that like that divine like. Uh, godly music in the backing of all of this uh scene and it just made you even more confused because you're kind of like focused on the music and again it's just this like inner visceral feeling that like you just kind of can't shake like i think mixed in with the music and the visuals that's what like the single greatest thing that 2001 a space odyssey does it's not about thrilling the audience the movie is more about like just uh making you like watch the images and putting you in wonder, shock, and awe like th- it's it's taking you and making you feel like putting your imagination to work and feeling this inner emotions like it's an inwards thing for everyone that the music the the images uh together was supposed to be, like, this inner body experience. And for me, it was totally that. Like, I I felt it, and I didn't know what it was. Like, I didn't really, like, you, you kind of just feel it, and you don't quite know what it is. And, um, God, did it do it, like, so accurately?
1: Yeah. Uh, I guess for, like, me, I was like, I don't know how to explain any of this stuff, but it's very... Uh, it's just so out there for it me. Is. Especially, like you know, all these colors, all these landscapes, and you know, eventually we do go back to Hal and, you know, what he sees, and again, even when we do go back, it's a lot of like You uh, mean Dave? Oh yeah, Dave, sorry. Uh, When we do go back to Dave, it's still a lot of very much uh, what is happening here, very much. Because we end up in some room. Yeah, just some room out of nowhere and, you know, we start to see him, and it's like no. I know, I know. Well, it was like, know. Oh well, it was like uh, you know, and all these these transitions, which were really cool, uh, I have to say. But, again, uh, at this point in the film, I'm just wanting to, like, understand. And I guess for me, I'm just so, like, story-driven that I, I want to be taken on this uh journey that somebody else, you know, wants to communicate Uh, towards Mm, me mm. and in this one it's more like like you said it's very much in there you got to create something out of it and you know what it can mean and i guess in some ways some people can be like um taken out of that yeah for sure uh yeah i'm i'm a
0: person who personally likes to feel or get lost in that um in that ambiguity that we don't always have all the answers and i really enjoyed trying to understand and I guess create a meaning for myself, but yeah, I do agree that this is definitely the moment where or the part where a lot of people might feel that they can't exactly handle it or they want it to make sense
1: right because like what does this mean or you know I know <laughs> we see we see Dave you know age before our eyes and he just he's there in one moment you know in a suit, then the next, he's just eating, just hanging out, oh, yeah, hanging out. And then the next, he's even older in the bed. And then the monolith returns. Yeah, and I was, was like, like, "What do you, what do you, what are you supposed to take of that?"
0: Oh man! And then like the monolith and him become one. And then he turns into like this gigantic baby.
1: Yeah, it's like,
0: what? And then he's just staring at the earth. And then like it just ends. It was so weird. Like, apparently it's known as the star child. Apparently that's what they call it. Okay. But that whole moment where we're going through the colors and everything, that was another thing that reinforced my feelings of, okay, I really got to own this film. It, like, even before that. But that whole last act was just mesmerizing. And I don't really know what it means. I think it's probably just this whole feeling of... uh it's just a metaphor for this like rebirth statement maybe that we go through like the circle of life and yeah, this is the next evolution for humans.
1: That's why I, I thought it was like some sort of uh cycle meeting, you know, like, uh, you know, we're always revolving around in the circle. Right. Yeah. And I guess, you know, that's why we're very much like confused because maybe at this point in time, we just don't understand it. And, I don't know it's very much out there it's uh crazy yeah as crazy as it was I have to admit that I really enjoyed
0: it like like I said there was so many moments where I just had like the biggest smile on my face because I was so impressed I was so impressed by just how I was getting this these feelings from so little and that's what Space Odyssey does so great It reminds me a lot of when you listen to music live, whether that be like a, you know, like a band or it's like an orchestra, a singer, an opera, whatever. I feel this sense of connection with the music, connection with uh, like a voice or like whatever I'm seeing. And the same was true for the film. And I felt that and I guess that very similar to Blade Runner too. It was just one of those moments that everything comes together just right. And you almost don't want to like escape it or maybe you do. But for me, it was uh, being able to feel that feeling and relate it to things of uh, music and whatnot or the things that you feel like a deep inner emotion for. Like somehow you felt that with Space Odyssey with so little, there's not much there. There's only like what four pieces of music in the entire film, and there's so such like little dialogue, and mixed in with the visuals, I'm I'm shocked and impressed that
1: with so little, it can make you feel so much. For me, I guess like, I really I like probably two thirds of the movie. I like, uh, I like the dawn of man. I like when we have all this i guess there's like four parts actually so yeah i like the dawn of man i like when they discover the monolith on the moon yeah i like the hal and dave moments but i guess this last act of jupiter in the infinite it really like uh is so abstract for me that i was like it took me out of it probably it's it's cool to see all these visuals and colors. I guess I'm just not like um I'm not like this v- person who can just take these visuals and just try to like really accept them for just as a pure visual cuz I don't know, I need meaning to these visuals. I need meaning to what all these pieces as are supposed to be used as cuz yeah. I guess if I'm a director, all of these things on my camera frame need to mean something that doesn't mean necessarily like I'm always going to think about all the time, you know, but a majority of the stuff, like if it's on frame, I wanted to at least have some sort of reason why I can define it to be there, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And, you know, I guess not everybody's like that, right? Some people that's, you know, what 2001, I assume, uh, I assume Stanley didn't know everything, right? <laughs> yeah. In this movie. Oh man. But, yeah. uh, yeah, I guess it's like, for that one, that that uh that last act, is it was probably out of my elements, and I just don't know how I feel about it, really. Yeah, it's completely okay. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think we do
0: have to remember that, after all, this is a science fiction film. And I think it, you know, it's the kind of story that we're not always going to have the answers to because I think it was just a, like a thrill and an excitement to be able to speculate on extraterrestrial life and intelligent life outside the means of humans. So it was neat to me, like getting to explore in this third act of what, intelligent life means so being able to maybe have like a uh maybe a representation of what it could be what it might be uh it's terrifying <laughs> that like that's right. terrified but uh it was interesting to like get inside the uh or like actually not get inside maybe go outside of the boundaries of what it is to be human and what else
1: might be out there yeah i don't know um yeah, it's it's definitely like this this bold and brave film to explore things that you know we don't see every day or you know we don't fully understand. But again, I can't help feeling that you know, yeah, it's just I like guess just just for me or how I think it's just somewhere else. Yeah. I guess I guess I, I, if like comparing it to like Blade Runner, I feel like. I can connect a whole lot more to Blade Runner's atmosphere, and because it doesn't tell you everything either, right? And I guess there's just just enough to really like want to explore to that realm. Whereas I guess I didn't feel the same way in 2001, and I I, I don't feel like I, I feels bad or whatnot because I definitely like I respect it a whole lot and what it can do, but maybe at this point in time. I won't fully understand what it means.
0: Right, maybe you just need to let it sit in a little bit and uh, uh, let it uh, create the meaning for you or you come up with some kind of uh, meanings towards it. Right. So that is Stanley Kubrick's 1968 science fiction film, 2001, A Space Odyssey. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and we'll see you on the next one.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of The End Credits. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The End Credits Podcast and over on Twitter at The End Credits. If you're watching the video version, make sure to subscribe to the End Credits YouTube channel. That's it. Thank you and goodbye.
0: Now that you are in Jupiter's space and the entire crew is revived, it can be told to you. 18 months ago, the first evidence of intelligent life off the Earth was discovered. It was buried 40 feet below the lunar surface, near the crater Tycho. Except for a single, very powerful radio emission, aimed at Jupiter, the four million-year-old black monolith has remained completely inert. Its origin
1: and purpose
0: still a total mystery.